You are listening to Omnitalk's Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Avalara, TGW, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Retail Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but more importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is November 29th, 2023. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris, uh, you're back in you're back in mini. Uh, what, how was your How was your Black Friday Cyber Monday weekend? Did you get any shopping done like you thought? I did actually. I went I went to Target, but I, I waited till like five o'clock on Friday, and, and okay. it was a it was an interesting, interesting experience. I I was checking out. I'm like, yeah, and I could find a parking space. So I was like, I was asking the guy. I'm like, hey, how's it been busy today? And the guy's like, I have no idea. I just started. already a shocker. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, <laughs> right. And 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 he rung me up. It was crazy. He rung he rung me up, and I'm he's like, okay, sir, here you go. Here, have a nice stay. I'm like. Yeah, you forgot you forgot two of my items on the conveyor belt, dude. And the guy was like devastated. And I was like, oh. hey man, it's okay. It's fine. Don't yeah. worry. You know? Yeah. Don't worry. It used to be a uh, used to be a STL and a detail for Target. You're fine. You're doing a great job. I'm sure job. he really and cared so, about that. Yeah, he's like, boomer. He was like, he was like, you were? And I was like, yeah, man, you're good. You're doing good. So so yeah, so that that was my kind of fun anecdote for 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 the for the the Black Friday weekend. But it's always fun to see, you know, people on the front lines working and trying to encourage them as much as you can. All right. Well, kudos to you, San Clemente target worker. You're doing a great job. Maybe you're listening. Probably not. You're probably over. I should have got his name, actually. I should have given him a shout out. But yeah, he he was a good (laughs) kid. All right. uh, Chris, we have a review to share with all of our listeners today. Oh, all right. We do. I didn't know that. What is it? What does it say? Yes, we do. Uh, We got a five-star review from Mary G330. I feel like one of the Peloton instructors. I hope I said that right. I'm just thankful it's not right. something totally weird. Uh, <laughs> but she says that we are her absolute favorite go-to retail podcast. She is a longtime listener, and she said it is her go-to. It's real. It's fun. The dialogue is intriguing, and everything is always super topical. Thanks, Chris and Ann. Thank Woo-hoo. you, Mary G330, for sharing that review with us. And all of you can share your reviews with us. We love them, right, Chris? Yes, we do. Actually, nothing warms my heart more than finding a new review on our Fast Five podcast, on our on our new Retail Daily Minute podcast. Want to get the reviews up on that? If you guys haven't checked that out, please give that a quick listen. It's give you takes you three minutes. It comes out every day now. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Leave us a review. We love it. We'll read it on this show. And if if warming Chris's heart is top of your list of things to do this week, then by all means do that, which I'm sure it is for everyone. Yeah, and I could use my heart being warmed just a little bit. All right, do we have any cool announcements or uh, upcoming content that we need to tell our listeners about, Anne, too? We absolutely do. Uh, this week, we had Binders Brian Kavanaugh back on our Spotlight Series podcast where we went even deeper with him on the subject of digital asset management. So make sure to check that one out. It's available now on amitalk.blog or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that was a major one. Like I, I, again, I cannot stress the importance of, of what they're doing over a binder. Cause it's yeah, that so- topic's totally in your wheelhouse. Um, yeah. And I thought, and too, I thought our, I thought our second conversation with Brian was better than the first one. And the first yeah. one I thought was pretty damn good, but 
Um, I thought it was really, really insightful that what I learned from talking to him. So, and again, if you guys want to learn more about Binder, which is honestly the most intuitive enterprise digital asset management platform out there, check out their website. You can book a demo anytime you want. Just go to binder.com. All right, Chris, we have one more thing because believe it or not, it's now post Thanksgiving. It's time to start thinking about NRF. Uh, And we are very fortunate this year because we get to share with all of you one of the most impactful events that you can attend um, as a retailer at NRF. It's the Retail Orphan Initiative Super Saturday Analyst Day. Try saying that 10 times fast. But um, if you're getting into NRF a day early, it's Saturday, January 13th. This is an event that almost every retailer attends because 250 children will get clean water, education, or life skills just by you being in attendance. There's no financial ask of attendees. It's free for all retailers. And all the fundraising comes from sponsorships by retail technology suppliers. So last year they raised $380,000, Chris, at this event. Uh, It's the 15th anniversary of Retail ROI who puts this on. And proceeds from this event have already helped over 325,000 children in 28 different countries. And again, all you have to do, if you are a retailer listening, all you have to do is attend and money is going to this very, very dear cause to Chris and I. Uh, Registration is available now. So head over to retailroi.org. Uh, you can see the full thought leadership agenda filled with a special surprise keynote session, Chris. This won't mean much to you, but it's very exciting for me. Run DMC frontman Daryl McDaniels will oh, be there. Oh wow, that'd be cool. I'd like that. Yes, like that. I know. Yeah, I know. That'd be awesome. So Daryl's going to be there sharing his incredible life journey. He also had a stint in foster care. Um, and then he'll go through, obviously, all of what he's done in the music industry. You'll hear from top AI technology experts and fellow retailers. And for the technology suppliers in the audience, all of you who are listening, there are still sponsorships available for as low as $2,500. So big thank you to everybody who's thinking about attending, who's going, who's already signed up to attend. Um, we can make a really big difference here. So please head to retailroi.org and help Chris and I and our Amitak team support this very worthy cause. And we'll see you at NRF. And I don't know if you know this, but you just warmed my heart literally, you know, going back to what you said in the beginning, because I mean, gosh, you think about it. We started this six years ago and now we're doing announcements that can have an impact on, you know, using the platform. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so great. It's so great. I love it. All right. Well, shall we, shall we use the platform for what it's supposed to be used for right now? Also, to make people feel smarter, but also a little happier each day too. And yes, let's go to this week's headlines. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on the merger of Foxtrot and Dom's Market, Allbirds selling on Amazon, Urban Outfitters rental business newly turning a profit this past quarter, Victoria's Secrets store of the future, and Amazon's Dilip Kumar stops by to give us five insightful minutes on Just Walk Out Technology and Amazon's Next adventures in Palm Payment, their Amazon One system. But we begin today and with I think what is the first time ever a headline out of Dubai. Would you yes. do the honors, please? Yes, Chris. According to the Retail Technology Innovation Hub, a T-Salat has opened an autonomous telecom retail experience in Dubai. The store is powered by Trigo and Amdocs and also features real-time cart updates on your mobile app as you shop. Chris, let's jump right into this. Why is it a big deal? What do you think? 
I think it's a big deal for a couple of reasons, Dan. First, um, and we've talked a lot about Trigo on the show. The first big, the big thing about this headline is that, you know, Trigo's taking their platform to telecom. Trigo, as much as we've talked about them, has been exclusively focused on grocery up until this point. And now they're saying, look, we can take our platform and we can put it inside a telecom experience. So, you know, for those out there listening, especially if you're at Best Buy, I'd be looking hard at this. I'd be saying, hey, what can we do? Best Buy, you're really innovative. You're always testing new concepts. Like, why don't you give this one a whirl? You know, it'd be interesting. Yes. Way to shop. You have the same thoughts and feelings. I love that, feelings. Chris. No, I think Best Buy is a great call out. I mean, Best Buy, Circuit City's coming back. Like, why yep. not come back Circuit City with a bang and make this kind of store happen? I love it. But Helps yeah. potentially with theft, too, depending on how you try to implement this as well. But the second por- portion of this headline that I think is really interesting is what you said there towards the end on your read is that we're talking real-time receipts here, Anne. Uh, and, you know, real-time receipts are big. Like, you and I have... We visited a lot of these stores across all the different providers, Amazon, Trigo, Zipin, and the receipt process is always a frustrating part of the experience. And here Trigo is saying like, look, you can see your receipt in real time. You can get what's in your basket in real time. And so they appear to have now taken much of the friction out of that process. I can't wait to try it or at least see how this works at some point in time. So so to me, it's a big, big headline for that reason on the quote future of retail front, in, yeah. you know, in my humble opinion. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think you're right. The real-time receipt component is not just a, a nice thing to have. I, I think it's really crucial for the adoption of a lot of people into using a store format like this. They want to know right away. We've seen this, you know, if you're concerned about making sure that you're being charged the right amount when you're buying a $2 candy bar, you certainly want to make sure that you're being charged the right amount once you start to getting in get into higher price electronic items or things in the in that you know higher uh price point threshold. I also think that what I love about this, Chris, is that it starts to show that people outside of Amazon are thinking beyond doing checkout free retail in grocery. It shows that Trigo in this case, who's always been kind of you know, right on the tails of Amazon in in, in expanding and advancing this technology that they are starting to think about, okay, the electronics use case makes a lot of sense. I think at 926 or 926 square feet for this particular store concept, you're also looking at doing this in some of the stores with really high theft. Like I'm thinking the T-Mobile, the Verizon stores, stores. these, these like smaller box mall stores, Claire's, like all these stores that are, you know, roughly a thousand square feet that are in the malls that have been victims of this, like walk in, walk out. Nobody's doing anything about the theft. I think this is another area where that can really start to make a significant impact. So I just, I just love that this is getting beyond C-Store, beyond grocery just like you said. Yeah, man, if it can go into Claire's, which is, God, that'd be like the hardest thing ever with those small jewelry things. But man, if it gets to that point one day, that'd be pretty intense. Well, RFID, yeah. I mean, if you start to think about how Amazon's tying RFID into these things too, where they're knowing where those individual small things are, like, there's, yeah, that that's the ultimate. When you can get RFID tags on the smallest of small items, that's the ultimate. Yeah, we're not there yet, but God, that'd be a be a, a hell of a day once we ultimately can get there or figure out something that approximates it with other uses of technology too. All right, let's do headline number two. Foxtrot is merging with Dom's Kitchen and Market. Again, according to Chain Storage, the two Chicago-based food companies known for their upscale, locally sourced assortments and in-store cafes are joining forces. Foxtrot and Dom's Kitchen and Market will merge and operate under the new entity of Outfox Hospitality, 
once a deal is completed, I'd like to outfox something. I don't know what that means, but it just sounds cool. The terms of the deal, which is expected to close by the end of 2023, were not disclosed. At present, Foxtrot has 32 stores in Chicago. I didn't know it was 32 stores, Andy. That's that that kind of surprised me. 32 yeah. stores in Chicago, DC, Dallas, and and the Austin markets. Dom's has two locations in Chicago. Loyal OmniTalk fans will remember the store tour video we did of one of the Foxtrot Dallas locations last year. And I'm curious, what yes. do you find so interesting about this headline? I love this because you, do. you have two brands that people already love, adore, have made into a routine stop for them, and each with expertise in different areas. I think this is the perfect marriage of retailers. Dom has like this really great curated assortment of fresh grocery, like figure other like components to the store that I think have made it as as much loved and adored as it is in the Chicago market. And then you have Foxtrot, who you're bringing in with this very specialized curated, curated assortment, but who on the other side has also learned how to do rapid delivery. They've trialed and dialed it in. They know exactly what to do, where to go, how to serve these markets. And I think now you can take that combination of SKUs, of QSR, which both of them do a good QSR business and grab and go business. And you can customize that experience based on the location and store footprint. And I think that really all that's missing that I would add to this down the road is the computer vision enabled shopping that we talked about just <laughs> in the last story. Like if you could put that into this combination of retailers, like I don't know that I would shop anywhere else. <laughs> Totally, totally your MO and always adding the what, what would be cool about this story like 10 years from now. I mean, <laughs> you gotta keep thinking so about you. the future. The that's future right, is bright. Right. Gotta wear shades, Chris. That's right. You just gotta keep thinking about where this concept could go. Down that's right. The road. Hey, no, you're always good for that. That's what I love about doing this show with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. My 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 opinion in this, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think the play here is really is really obvious in a lot of ways. It's it's strength in numbers. Uh, retail and particularly convenience are a scale game, 100%. So you have two pe people that were duking it out on the high end in Chicago, literally with concepts that ultimately I think in the convenience space can work. I mean, we've seen both of them. We went to Dom's in Chicago earlier this year. Yep. And it seems like it's a differentiating concept in that market for convenience if you find the right locations in which to put these operations. So, so I think it's like, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, and, you know, I think it's I'm just flat out excited to see where it goes next. I mean, that's what I think. I mean, I mean, we've long talked about how we'd love to see Foxtrot open up I in know. our neighborhood. It'd 32 be like, locations and I'd still not so one excited. in Minneapolis. Ugh. I know. Well, you know, they're picking the big typical, you know, starter markets here. And I don't know that I don't know why. Minneapolis always gets the Mall of America starter market, but we never get the like outside mall retail starting uh, experiences. Either. We say this as it's is. 19 degrees right now outside and it's still November. So that's probably why we're not getting it. But I'm telling you, you're, you're right. Not a lot of walk up traffic to the convenience <laughs> store anymore. Right. That's probably right. Actually, you're probably right. That's dead right. hundred percent. There's a medium. Right. Yep. We can hope we can hope. Hope in one hand and you know what in the other. I think that's a saying that my husband likes to say a lot of times, but you never know. We'll uh, we'll get there soon enough. I don't want to know what's in that other hand, Dan, because I don't know it. that expression. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you after the podcast. Oh, We're my trying God, to keep yes, it PG. Please. Yes, we keep it PG now. Yes. That's right. Um, all right. Headline number three, Chris. According to Retail Dive, Alberts has begun selling on Amazon. The move mm -hmm. comes as Allbirds builds out its distribution network. While the footwear brand doesn't view Amazon as a wholesale partner, 
uh, it's like a secret. Is this like a secret relationship that we're in? Like we're together. You can't tell anybody though. Um, I don't know. I don't get that. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about it. Okay. The company has been steadily adding to its wholesale network with retailers, including REI, Dick's Sporting Goods, Public Lands, Banner, and Zalando. And the Retail Dive article also makes specific mention of the fact that the Allbirds product pages on Amazon note that the items ship from Amazon. Chris, uh, we're also going to use this as the A&M put you on the spot question Ooh, for you. Oh, good two choice. Two times in a row. Because I got a lot to say about this one. Okay. Well, here's what they want to know. Now Can't it wait. is... Following companies like Peloton, do you see D2C brands launching on Amazon as a sign of savviness or a sign of trouble? Uh, I'm guessing that based on that intro, you're going to go on a rant. So I'm just going to concede the floor to you. Going to concede the floor? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great question. I think it is obviously a sign that the brands are in trouble. But my question is, why is that, Anne? I mean, why? I'm curious what you think. Like, why do we only see this when brands are in trouble? Like, what what is the hang up from the get go? I don't understand that. Like, if you're a cool, suave, digitally native brand, why aren't you taking the Pepsi challenge and putting your brand up against everybody on Amazon right from the get go? If that's what you're going to do anyway, I don't know I if they'd say that these brands are in trouble though. I mean, yes, they. I mean, oh, I, okay, Albert they're in not trouble. Doing well. They're in trouble. I guess I'm just saying. Like, I think this is part of the natural. Peloton was not doing well. Like the examples they're bringing up, Gap not doing well. You know, yes, they're trying to it, get outlets. But I think it's not. It's not that it's just like crisis mode. I think it's just the natural evolution of starting a brand, really. But keep it's, going it's, on your rant. Exactly. That's my, thank yeah. you. You're yeah. That's exactly my yeah. point. So my thing is like when Allbirds is hot, it's riding the wave of like consumer enthusiasm. Why aren't you already on Amazon trying to get your brand out in on the feet of more people? Like to me, it's hubris that holds these companies back on thinking that there's something they're not. The whole thing is just absolutely silly for me to watch. And 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 you brought it up, but don't even get me started on the semantics of of, you know, Amazon's not our wholesale partner. Yeah. Like we're only fulfilling through Amazon. That's such baloney. You know who doesn't care about that? Your end customer. Your customer thinks you're selling through Amazon. Well, they don't care. They don't know they, marketplace from this, from that. Like BS. Like it's, you're so wrapped up in your own self. Allbirds, if you're making sure Retail Dive is putting this in their headline about you, that come on, get over yourself. And all the DTC brands listening out there, like, don't make this your last gasp effort. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, do I don't think? disagree do you with you. I don't okay. no, I don't disagree so with it's, you. It's I a just fair think, rant. I think it's a I think it's a fair rant. I think that these D2C brands are not being started by retail experts. They're being started by somebody who it's more like a startup than it is a retailer coming out with a new brand or somebody with experience in most cases. I think they're learning they how those to people do this. in though, especially as the money starts flowing sure, in. I, think, I sure. think that's a little extreme. But at their core, like the the reason that they do well and they get to the point where they can sell the volume that they can on Amazon is because they're starting with this values-based concept and they're getting the this there it's it's a millennial mentality i think they're trying to get people interested in the brand because they're not amazon because they're individual and they have to like keep that street cred so i understand what is happening here but you're right the you, you eventually need the scale because your consumers while they do care about values they also care about price and i think that the ability to get this product into more hands and at with a retailer that they're comfortable with 
like Amazon with free shipping, like all of those things are important to that Gen Z consumer, the millennial consumer too. So I think that you have to be thinking about this in your strategic plan. But you know who I actually think the biggest winner is here in in this is Amazon. Because I think Amazon knew this all along. Like they were watching these brands come out there and Amazon's like, okay, Alberts, you don't want to say that we're fulfilling for you because we're big, bad Amazon. Well, let's start figuring out how we get around this. And so Amazon came up with all these programs like fulfillment through Amazon. You're not selling on Amazon. We're just doing the fulfillment for you. (laughs) Buy with Prime. Our retailers are like, your consumers are just buying with their Prime membership. They're not doing this. Amazon pay. We'll just give them that option to pay for it. Like it's all of these like loopholes that Amazon has found to like let Allbirds and all these other brands do exactly what they're doing, but like still maintain the street. So I think it's just like, it's funny to me. That's such a great point. It sounds like a high school relationship. Like, what are we at? Like, are we going steady? Are we exclusive? Like, I mean, like, what is that? I mean, it's just, I hope the VCs listening are like taking a note here because they're like, you know, as they're investing in these companies, they're like, they should be pushing these companies to do this more quickly, especially when they're at the height of the interest. Yes. At the height of the interest, because that's going to end up creating more value for them in the long run than trying to do it at this point when you're already kind of struggling and potentially even drowning too. All right, Ann. That was fun. I love that. Let's let's now turn our attention to what is one of our favorite topics, multiple oh, yeah. of our favorite topics. Amazon's just walk out technology and paying with our palms and bringing the one and only Dilip Kumar onto the show. Joining us now for five insightful minutes is the 2022 Omnistar Amazon's VP of AWS Applications, the one and only Dilip Kumar. Dilip, welcome back to OmniTalk. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it's, all, it's always one of our you're always one of our favorite guests and so glad that you could join us today. So my question for you first is to set the table. So you've got a you have a much broader role since we interviewed you last. Tell the audience about that. Yeah. So I am now leading AWS applications. I moved to AWS about a year ago. Um, I was in the consumer business for a long time. Uh, I moved with several of the things that we had built there, which is identity and checkout. The AWS application group does a lot of things that are higher up in the stack, very different from primitive, primitive like infrastructure services that AWS mm. does, but something that bundles together things that caters for non-developers on how they can build applications. So things like Amazon Connect, AWS Supply Chain, AWS Clean Rooms, and now you know the identity and checkouts things like we're doing the end user computing group, which allows people to be able to run their applications anywhere, wherever they want, like Workstream and app, uh, Workspaces and AppStream. And then the you know the just walk out Amazon One and Dash Carts, uh, which you're both you and Anne are pretty familiar with. Oh yes, we are always interested in hearing about those areas of your work, Dilip. Um, I'm curious when it comes to checkout and the identity services space, what are you most excited about? Yeah, we've been super excited by the customer reaction to this. You know, we started like last year, we were in the U.S. and U.K. Now we're in US, UK, Canada, as well as Australia. Hmm. The reaction across the world has been very similar to this. Customers hate lines, no matter where they are. Uh, Just walk out seems to resonate very well in areas that are very throughput constrained. Mm. Um, And we see, you know, like the stadium operators start off with a few stores and then they add more when they see the value for their own customers. Um, and, And I love the fact that we can bring this to so many different places. You know, just as an example, Lumen Field saw an 85% increase in the amount of transactions in the same store, like you know, 112% increase in sales. Uh, just incredible. like similar store, same size footprint, same merchandise, just walk out relative to a point of sale, uh, which is like hugely, hugely 
uh, useful for fans as well as for uh, you know merchants who are running uh, the store. And Amazon One continues to do well. You know, we expanded to all of our Whole Foods location. We're on all 516 uh, stores, but we also are in you know hundreds of other third-party locations as well. And we just recently announced um, a partnership with Crunch Fitness. You know, they have it in about nine of their gyms. Uh, and, and the reaction to that has also been great. You know, there's, there's tons of usage and repeat usage of something like that. People find it very easy and intuitive to use. And it's also helping the people who are running these businesses save time uh, and spend their time rather than monitoring and figuring out usage. They're spending their time doing things that are way more value add for them as well as for their customers. Well, and I know Anne's the biggest fan of all of the Amazon One Palm Payment System. So she's pretty excited to hear about that. And uh, yeah, we saw that announcement too. And we quickly shared that on LinkedIn because we were so excited about it. But uh, my question for you too, because going back to the stadium thing, like I got to imagine getting beers in the hands of people is a very valuable thing for many of these stadium operators. But um, curious too, like the, the announcement that caught our eye and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but just to bring it off for our audience a little bit more, you're now doing just walk out for apparel by way of the fan shops at the Seattle Seahawks and the Texas Ranger stadium. Talk about everything that went into creating that and developing that experience. If you can. Yeah, it's actually a perfect example that sort of marries together the benefits of RFID with the benefits of just walk out. If you think about fan merch, it is again, ripe for invention in the sense that similar to food and beverage in a stadium, Lines tend to get built up. There's a lot of, there's, you know, people have very little time to spend in those stores and they want to be able to get the right thing and in and out as quickly as they possibly could. And this is exactly where I think RFID plays a huge amount of role in figuring out the specific mm. type of merchandise. But then Just Walk Out enables the rest of that experience where you can then check out and just walk out. And we know exactly who to bill and how to charge for that merchandise. So this is like, it's. we felt that it was a good example of where RFID can shine for certain elements of that experience. Just walk out can shine for other elements of that experience. And from a fan's perspective, all they're doing is coming in. They're very used to the just walk out experience. They can pick up the the merch item that they need, and the rest of the experience stays the same. So it's it's it, it, you know we saw a lot of success with this when we did it with um, in at Lumen Field with the Seahawks, and then we also launched it you know for the World Series also with. Uh, with, with the Texas Rangers and those stores are seeing a huge amount of like, you know, there was every X seconds, there was a sale that was happening, which is super useful for them. It's immensely gratifying for a fan because they can get in and out really quickly. Uh, crowds really build up. And so loving it. We can see, expect to see many more of those in the near future. Yeah. I can't wait. I know Ann can too. So, well, thank you, Dilip. Thanks, Ann. Thanks, Chris. All right. If you want to hear more from Dillip, be sure to check out our full-length Spotlight series interview with him available wherever you happen to listen to your OmniTalk podcast or on YouTube. All right. That was awesome. And I love having Dillip on the show. Ugh. He is so great. He's There's a reason awesome. this is popping in the news right now because it's so there's so many applications. But all right. I, oh, I, won't, yeah. I won't like fangirl anymore. Yeah. Huge OmniTalk fan too. I love the guy. He's so awesome. He's so gracious with his time too. So, And I know he's super busy, especially this week. So all right. Headline number four, Urban Outfitters newly rental business turned a profit this past quarter. According to Retail Dive, newly sales soared 86%. Wow. or $30 million, thanks to a 68% increase in subscribers compared to last year, according to the company's earnings presentation. 
The rental unit's gross profit more than doubled year over year to $17 million, and gross margin expanded 322 basis points to 25.5%, thanks mostly to an increase in the monthly subscription fee. And most notably, this is important, folks, operating income also reached $300,000 from a $3 million loss a year ago. And why do you think Newly is seeing these results? Have they cracked the code on anything important in your opinion? A hundred percent. Newly really way ahead of everybody else in this space. They are thinking about it. If we like, this might be, we have our retail awards coming up. Like Mm. this might be one of my most strategic retailer award winners right now because like newcomer of the year or something like that. Yeah. That's a good award. We should be around for a while, but like, look, they've created the perfect flywheel. They are hitting every possible consumer need here. Not just one, like we're seeing with rent the runway or stitch fix or something. One, you can buy products directly through all of their channels, through Urban Outfitters, Free People, Anthropology. Newly product is available as another component to, like, if you're searching jackets, you could buy a jacket that's been a newly product that's a little bit less, gets you into that, you know, that echelon of brand that you want to get into at a lower price point. Then... You can just rent the clothes. You have the rental option, which is a very popular option. It's from top brands. This is something that people know and love. And then they're able to buy those clothes, which I know a lot of my friends who use this service, which I have a lot of them who do, they are loving the purchasing option from this because they can try before they buy. Like they know exactly how it's going to fit. They can wear it Mm. and then, you know, hang on to it again at that lower price point. And now they're doing selling and shopping uh, in thrift. So you don't have to be putting uh, anthropology or free people or urban outfitters products into their thrift store. They're basically taking Poshmark's model. And instead of giving cash back, now they're feeding it into back into this flywheel where you can now rent clothes, you can buy clothes like they are using every part of the animal or animal print in this case. (laughs) Uh, And they're making money off of every touch point. So I think like they're just they're doing it all so well product quality is there, shopping experience, customer service is there. And that really hasn't been the case with a lot of the other ones that have come before them. So I am not surprised at all. I don't know if you've even like, they do have men. I don't know if you've taken a look, but they have men's products too. (laughs) It's probably, I'm sure if you look at where this, like this uh, success is coming from, it's likely not the men's line, but have you, did, what are you thinking about this? Did you get a chance to check it out? <laughs> yeah, it's probably undoubtedly not the men's line. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think. Uh, first of all, I just love doing this show with you. God, it makes me so happy, Ed. It just makes me so happy. It just always brings a smile to my face doing this show with you every week. Um, I, I think you're- I think My, your point's my bad jokes about you're, animal you're, print? You're, you're, yeah, animal print. That was what set it off for me. I was like, oh my God, I just love doing this show with you. But I wanted you to know that. But, um, you know, so the, I mean, for me, I don't, I, I think you're bringing up awesome points. I mean, the only thing I would add here is I think, or I'd em- maybe emphasize again, partially, and then maybe add one element. The, em- the point I would emphasize is, it's a really interesting model for a brand that wants to get into resale and rental of their own product categories, right? Of their own products, of their own brands, of their right. all their all that all that's under their portfolio. That's number one. The second piece is the subscription revenue. Like they increased the cost of their subscription and people were willing to pay for it. And so it yeah. shows that for people where this matters, and it's an important part of how they want to live going forward, i.e., a more sustainable lifestyle. People that can't afford it are willing to pay for it. And I think that's an important thing too, as you start to try to figure out or uncover new business models about how these things can work. And that's why I think people shouldn't be 
as afraid to dip their toe into it, especially knowing that they could try it that way from the get go. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to call out, Chris. And that's, you know, rent the runway increased prices, stitch fix increased prices, but the quality of the service was not there. And you're absolutely right. Like you can't just do this if you don't have the quality. It cannot be we're just going to keep dumping it on you to make up for the losses that we have as a business. So when you want to know what you're going to get inside that brand too, the other thing about those, those are like more marketplaces. They're pulling from all kinds of different stuff. You don't know why, how, or why they're getting their product. Like, are they getting them on discount when they're ordering them? All kinds of, all kinds of merchandising questions that go into that, but you don't have that in this self-contained universe that urban outfitters is operating newly under. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to headline number five. Victoria's Secret has unveiled, yet again, a store of the future. According to Chain Storage, the intimate apparel retailer has taken the wraps off its renovated and reimagined store at Easton Town Center in Columbus, Ohio. The design includes mannequins representing a range of sizes, inclusive product offerings, and easy-to-navigate layout that has also been updated with brand new fitting room technology that links each product with the store's computer system through RFID or radio frequency identification tags, which enables customers to communicate with store associates directly from their fitting room. Additional features include buy online pickup and store and dynamic video content via custom video walls that provide enhanced storytelling. Chris, some of yes, our sir. listeners may know, some may not, but you were the vice president of a store of the future in your past life. Uh, what do you think of this headline? <laughs> Fair point, Ed. Yes, great point. Yes, yes. I feel like I'm qualified to talk on the subject of store of the futures for sure. Um, as are you too. I mean, I might add, you were a key element of that work as well that you were referencing in the past. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, the proof's going to be in the pudding on this for me. Um, but I would say, I think, I think you and I have to put this on our must-see store list right away. Like, I yes. want to get out to Easton Town Center or whatever it's called, you know, as soon as possible. Um, yeah. The most notable feature to me in, in in the in the article, and quite honestly, I thought the details of the true quote unquote store of the future aspects of the store were a little bit light. I mean, the the low flush toilets or whatever they are just doesn't really cut it for me. But the the most you know, they just uh, want to get credit for everything or Chris. low flow <laughs> toilets, whatever the hell it is, you know, right? Um. The RFID tagging. But the other thing is like the RFID tagging is cool, but I don't really understand from the article how it's working, which is why I want Mm -hmm. to see this firsthand. Like, you know, is there a magic mirror in the fitting room? Is it connected to an employee's device? Is it connected to your customer's device? Is there a kiosk? Like, it's cool that you can, in theory, get help right to the fitting room because the, the, the store employees know what you have in there with you. But how is that information and how is that user experience actually designed? That's a big matzo ball to try to figure out because we've seen a lot of these companies go in this direction. And many times, like, you know, going back to the Rebecca Minkoff experience way back in the day, we've seen these concepts not, you know, take root or fall flat on their face, too. So um, so that's that's kind of my take here. But that's what I'm most interested to see from the article. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious about the digital content, too, and how they're thinking about that. But that seems like kind of a stretch to me in the store of the future. I mean, there's lots of companies that are, you know, piping in digital content, you know, very malleably and, uh, right. you know, as it's needed. But what do you think? I mean, I think we need to remember, first and foremost, who's at the helm here. Chris Rupp, she's their chief customer officer. 
I know that she, from talking to her, that she's been pushing to try to find the right tech to improve this experience because mm-hmm. it did. Let's RFID be honest, is the right place to start. It for did sure. need a lot of improvement. And I think that the key thing here, you know, even Crave Retail is who they're tapping for the fitting room uh, RFID experience. I think number one, you have visibility for the customer. Like if w- the, the hard part is that I think it's hard for maybe you to understand because you haven't been in a fitting room trying on bras before, but there is like just knowing that there is another size in that store. Like you, you're, you're completely exposed in there. Oh yeah. hundred percent agree. Leave. Yeah. No, and, I like, get that. No matter, yeah. I think no matter what you can do to help expedite either getting new product, understanding what's in the store, or even just helping the process of the, the staff who's, you know, there's two people in a, in a Victoria's secret right now. And most on most days, if yeah. that, right. you know, it's they're they're running the bare minimum right now. Mm-hmm. So anything you can do to make those associates more efficient in their jobs, which I think at, even at a bare minimum, just knowing I'm in this room, I need a bra right now. I don't want to sit there waiting with no shirt on until somebody can come back to the fitting room and check on me again. So I think that's a key thing to understand here and it will improve some way, shape, or form this shopping experience. But second, this is the second reopening that they've done of the store, the store of the future concept or or revision to it in six months. They opened in January of this year first, and now they've revamped it and they're reopening again now. So I think that that's something key to point out again with Chris Rupp and her digital background experience or Mm -hmm. customer experience, like she's going to keep iterating and testing. And Mm -hmm. I think that the credit needs to be given to her, to her team, to Victoria's Secret for continuing to iterate on this, not just setting it out and being like, here's our store of the future, go, but let's continue to evolve this, listen to our consumers, and then update the experience accordingly. 100%. My favorite thing about this headline, and I deliberately wanted to leave it to the end, was it's about a store of the future project, which we haven't heard much about those in the last few years. They kind of fell out of vogue for a while. And you're right. Everyone should be doing them. You should be experimenting with them in iterative ways like you just described. And so hopefully, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound corny as hell, hopefully bringing the sexy back in stores of the future, Victoria's Secret, putting the sexy back in stores of the future. At least I hope so, because it's a, I mean, it is a concept that I think you and I both believe in wholeheartedly from our experience. And it's, it's a requirement to continue to evolve your physical retailing experiences too, Otherwise, it becomes too difficult and you find yourself outdated very quickly. I hope 2024 is the year of the store of the future. Can we just get a store of the future? Everybody was like tugging on their purse strings in 2023. Let's just start innovation again. Yeah, but we got to go see this too, Ann. Let's let's, let's get this on the list. All right. All right, Chris, let's go to the lightning round. Question number one for you. David's Bridal is starting a loyalty program, which might be one of the most interesting places to form a loyalty program, in my humble opinion, because it allows brides to also share. They get loyalty points for purchasing things, but they also get to share their loyalty perks with members of their bridal party. Uh, Chris, if you were an executive of David's Bridal, would you be for or against this move? Yeah, I don't know about you, Ann, but I, I, you seem kind of skeptical of this. I love this. I'm kind of surprised they don't they didn't do it already because, I mean, I think about back to the, the days when all my friends were getting married. Like, everyone starts getting married around the same time frame. And so, like, you get the bride and the bridal party with the same incentives or sharing the incentives. It keeps them sticky to David's bridal. I love it. Do you not agree? I suppose. I don't know. I just think, like, the focus on the brides and loyalty is just, like... Maybe it's just I just need to be a realist and realize that the divorce rate is 50 percent in this country or higher. But I feel like I would be like, 
how about a bridal party? Like the people in the party get the rewards because, yes, you're buying a lot of bridesmaid dresses, but like the bride, the group. Well, that's what it's about. I thought I thought it was about like giving the I thought it was about sharing the rewards. I thought that was it is. It is. It is. But it's like it just seems like a stretch for me. You're coming around. You're coming around. You're coming around. All right. All right. The there's a 26 year old woman and in India who has this is crazy a record 38 teeth, the extra teeth four upstairs and two downstairs. How many do we usually have? 24. You start with 32 and then okay. um and then you have 28 if you've had your wisdom teeth pulled out. Okay. Um, as okay. well. So she has the extra teeth again four upstairs two downstairs. Apparently don't cause her any pain, which is great because believe it or not, and dentists say. Two additional teeth may soon emerge. So my question for you, Anne, is what would you do with eight extra teeth? <laughs> I, I don't even know what kind of question this is. <laughs> chew more gum? I mean, I don't know. Like, Would what, you what chew you... more gum? That'd be pretty loud chewing. I don't you know. What would you do? To masticate your gum with. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably eat Doritos in front of everyone. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. This <laughs> for is how much people love when I chop on Doritos. Okay, Chris, uh, I have a multiple choice question for you. Why Ooh. is Cyber Monday on Monday versus any of the other days over the course mm. of th the Thanksgiving weekend holiday? Is it because, uh, A, the internet connection speed is way better on Monday? B, retailers wanted the option to further reduce prices and clear out excess inventory for Black Friday? Or C, retailers figured people would rather be shopping than working on Monday, so it gave them something to look forward to? Wow, that's funny. Back to my e-commerce days, I feel like I've heard all of these rationales before. Uh, I'm curious if you're throwing me a trick question. So I'm going to actually say D, all of the above, Anne. Oh, it might be. The report that I read was because of A, the internet, internet connection, connection speed is better across the board when people are at their offices versus at their homes. So that's yeah. why Cyber Monday is on Monday. But and originally started Monday like 20 plus years ago or something. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, last and we one, were still like waving waving wands in the air so we could get computer or internet service, you know. Some of <laughs> right. us dial up motives. <laughs> Peloton had wanted its Thanksgiving turkey burn event to set a world record for the largest live cycling class, but that didn't quote unquote work out. <laughs> Tell the truth, oh, Ed, did you try and log on to this event? Be honest. No, I didn't because that's what I, I love about, about Peloton. It. I don't have to log on. I hate doing the live shows because all they do is talk to people who are not me. So I typically like to just focus on doing it on my schedule. And I went outside and went for a run that morning instead. Nice. Before it got really butt cold out here for the past week. It was nice last week. All right. That wraps us up. Happy birthday today to Don Cheadle. Anna Ferris, and to one half of the tandem that held up a Ted Bernie all weekend long, Andrew McCarthy. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk, the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features exclusive content that we create just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. You can follow us today by simply going to youtube.com slash Retail. So until next week, on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk Retail, and I barely got through this, as always, be careful out there. The Yami Talk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. 
The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And Avalara. Avalara makes tax compliance faster, easier, more accurate, and more reliable for 30,000 plus businesses and government customers in over 90 countries. Avalara leverages 1,200 plus signed partner integrations to power tax calculations, document management, tax return filing, and tax content access. Visit avalara.com to improve your compliance journey. And TGW. Revolutionize your grocery supply chain with TGW. Their experts tailor automation cert solutions to your needs, ensuring you have the edge. Work with TGW before your competition does. Discover more at tgw-group.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com. 